this is Marisha for Love Your Creativity and today I am interviewing David Monteith. Now, this is a bit of a weird one because I don't even know how many years ago I actually did a course with David on podcasting when all that swaggy court did nothing about it and I knew at the time you were an award-winning podcaster and then of course I know you also because of acting mm. and uh and I gather how you're directing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm a bit. This is like a really. And of course, I know your wife. I used to be in a singing class with her. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, yeah. beautiful singer. So it's kind of a weird kind of uh, full circle. Yes, really, it is exactly. So, and I remember Hirschborn saying, "When all the ash that you guys got stuck on your honeymoon, didn't you?" That's right, because it was when um, the volcano in Iceland went up, and we, we'd had to stop in New York for a couple of days, <laughs> and. Um, the volcano went up, the ash cloud came up, all the planes got grounded, and we were stuck there for seven days. It was fantastic. <laughs> and then we, we found this bed and breakfast in Harlem, which was great. And the next morning, there was a news crew on the front door wanting to interview people who were stranded, so we got on TV in America within a day of being there. It was like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's... Yeah, it is a green card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. So, I guess, starting from, not quite the beginning... Uh, you are an award-winning podcaster, but you've been podcasting for a long time. Not you're not like a, a recent. No, it's it's weird because when we started, uh, my best friend and I decided to do a podcast. It was my suggestion, and he was like, "Well, who's going to listen to us?" And I'm like, I've no idea. No one, I doubt. And um, his partner was like, "Who's going to listen to you two? And so we went. I went up to his house in Northampton, and we got drunk with some very fine whiskey recorded a podcast, woke up in the morning, listened back to it to edit it, whole chunks of it we couldn't remember, and just put it out as a laugh. It was just a laugh. And, what, seven, eight years later, we well, within about three, four years, we had like 2,000 downloads a week. And it went on, and I've been to places and met people I would never have imagined doing because of it. And when we decided to start interviewing people, uh, initially they'd be like, our podcast is called Geek Syndicate, still going. Uh, we've got a website called geeksyndicate.co.uk and we have a, a podcast network now of like 10, 11 podcasts which go under the Geek Syndicate banner. Oh. Talking about all different things. Um, Presumably you have to be a geek. Pretty much. <laughs> a geek of some sort, any sort. Doesn't matter what kind. There's whole tribes of geek. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but we'd go to people and they'd say, oh yeah, we're from Geek Syndicate. And they're like, who? And we'd have to explain who we were. But then they'd go, what's a podcast? That's where we were when we started. Yeah. No one knew uh, America was catching on. England was going was just starting to be aware of podcasting, and no, so we'd have to explain what podcasting was, and that's where we started when it was really in its infancy over here. So it's it's been a while. Yeah, and what award did you win? I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I actually can't remember how bad is that. But we got nominated like three or four years in a row for the podcast awards, which you can find on podcastawards.com. But the category we were in, we were never going to ever win because we were up against the Mugglecast, which is a Harry Potter um, mm. podcast. And it was done by votes from the public. And, you know, yeah. Harry Potter fans are in their millions. So we were never, ever, ever going to win. So we got our heads around that quite quickly. So, you know. <laughs> that is so podcasting to acting. At the moment, you're only studying in Fences, which Lenny Henry is... Yeah. Uh, so how did we get there? Because obviously I've known you from doing various productions of the City Lit, and well, also you teach as well, don't you? I know you've yeah. taught acting in various classes. Uh, yeah, I still teach acting. Uh, 
I teach performance for opera courses. I teach podcasting. I teach Twitter. I teach an introduction class, an advanced introduction class. I'm teaching them the foundation for drama course this year. I'm mm-hmm. teaching an access to higher education drama. It goes on and I do coaching as well. But I started acting in, well, it was 2000. I was in Jamaica for a year. 99, 2000, and I thought, I've always wanted to act, but never taken it seriously, and I went back to England thinking, how do I get into this? And I went for a drink in Soho with a friend, and started talking to this drunk bloke and about acting, and I said, you know what, I think I've left it too late, can I swear on your podcast? If you want, I guess. <laughs> and, then, and he goes, I think I've left it too late, and this bloke went, fuck off! And I was like, well, what did I do? And he, and he was like... I'm 40 years old, I'm doing a one evening a week course at the City Lit, and I'm learning loads. And I went, wow. okay. I went to the City Lit, did an introduction to acting class, which I now teach, and that paved the way for everything that followed. So I actually started acting before podcasting uh, as well. And uh, Well, I started training in acting yeah, before yeah, podcasting. Yeah. And spent, what, five years later, I think, after that first evening class, I left my job to act full-time, which was the scariest thing I'd ever done. Because I had a job, and I knew it was going to finish, and after that finish, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And it's this whole thing about if you make space and open it up to the universe, you know what I mean, and take that step it's of faith. really true. If you, don't make, if you don't make the space, what's going to come along to fill it? You know, because it's already filled with whatever nonsense you happen to be doing, which is keeping you in food, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, really, I mean, I've really, this year for me has been... I've cleared all the decks of everything, actually, including kind of parting and life, and it's amazing, therefore, off the back of it, what's happened. Mm. Really, almost, I'm like, what, how on earth is that possible? I've done this that much already, and it's only August. I think it's about having you get your head around the fact that stuff is waiting to happen, if you've got the eyes to see it waiting there. But if you're too busy, you can't see it, because you're too busy looking at what you're doing. Well, you get too, I think it's a very active thing, and I'm certainly guilty of this, that sometimes you get so involved in the... I think if you're very dramatic... You can, you can create drama in your life or mm. in your social life or just generally drama. And actually that, you end up, I think all creatives do, you become dramatic about your relationships and this and this and this. And it's almost like that's where the drama goes. Whereas if you clear all the rubbish out, again, yeah, yeah, your yeah, drama yeah. goes in the proper place, mm. which is on stage or screen. Well, interestingly, I'm at the place where I've got to make, I think I've got to make that change again. Because now I spend so much time teaching and I'm teaching creative stuff. But it's almost to the detriment of me developing my career. Mm. And that, that's a really interesting dilemma to face. I think, well, again, it's, it's about clearing space. Mm. And almost, we'll never finish learning. And of course you do learn when you teach. But equally, yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, but equally mm. there's definitely times where you're just going to go and say, maybe I need to work on this a bit more or that. You need, you need time to actually feed yourself. You know, and I'm learning. I'm learning as I feed others. And I need to... Feed myself as well. Mm. Yes, no, it's really. Are you. So, how did we get into performance for di- for opera? Because, of course, I know, first of all, your wife is a yeah. fantastic opera singer, so. Does she see herself as a classical singer? I'm not quite. Uh, both. Probably both. Different yeah. Time she so, is, is that because of her, or is that to do it with was, actually, because we, we got together and I was stunned. I was very ignorant of the world of opera. And, you know, meeting someone who was young and energetic and into opera, that was, in my head, opera was the preserve of old people and fat Vikings. And, um... But she's not. She's not. No, <laughs> she's quite, it's quite hot, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, um, that was a big shock to me. Hot people like, opera, what? So, after a while, her and a friend uh, started an opera company called Scarlet Opera. And for their first 
uh, outing, decide, they asked me if I wanted to direct, to which my response was, I don't know much about opera. And they said, that's fine. I, I don't actually know if I like it. And they were like, can you bring a sense of theatre to it? I said, that I can do. Yes. And they said, that's what we want. Uh, so I started and I realised that, uh, and I'm generalising here, opera singers have been taught to sing, uh, can't. Yeah, but yeah, not no. to perform. You are not generalising. I mean, that's. I think it's better now, but yeah. I've heard some but I'm, still, I'm still finding it. And what I find a lot in classes, when I teach in classes, is a lot of um, resistance to incorporating drama to performance, which I don't understand. I have a friend of mine who's been brought in a few times, I won't mention who because of... He's been brought in a few times to do character coaching at the Royal Opera House. Mm. And she said, I've had situations with Carmen where literally I'm talking to the Toyodor going, so how do you feel about, you know, possibly dying tomorrow? And he's like, what do you mean? I just stand and talk. She goes, yeah, but you might die tomorrow in the ring. And, you know, um, what's, what's the, the nice girl in Carmen? Please with them. Um, yeah, no, yeah, 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 she does that lovely. Anyway, so she's taken a list up of things her mother, uh, the, his mother wants to say. And she said, well, maybe, you and the, the coach said, maybe you should actually put a letter and actually read it, put it in your bag and read it. And she's like, really? Uh, you know, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, and this is a rural opera house. You know, well, I've auditioned people and I've asked them about the character they're singing and realised that this person hasn't translated. She doesn't look, she's singing words okay. with no idea what they meant. And I was like, but, but, but how can you? Yeah. But I mean, as a result of that, I started teaching a class called Acting for Singers. Right. And uh, as a result of that, I got asked to do more work, and I was actually I was sought out to uh, direct a production of uh, Monteverdi's Ofeo for the Isleworth Baroque Opera uh, in October. So that's what I'm doing at the moment that's as well. Great. Yeah. And I've decided to set it in the 1920s, because I really like the idea of uh, opera with a jazz visual. So I'm setting it in the clubs of a of a Harlem. It's not it's not real Harlem. It's a Harlem. Yeah. How oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> like a kitchen sink opera, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Well, I suppose you you. you I, I find this myself. You end up kind of doing one thing, and it kind of adds adds up and up and up. And well, this is this is what right this is what a writer. If you ask a writer for advice, many many writers will say, uh, just write something. Because the act of writing itself invokes more ideas and more things come out of that. How do you get an idea for the second novel? Something occurs to you right in the midst of writing your first one, which wouldn't have occurred to you if you weren't writing. So it's about doing. Sometimes you've just got to do stuff and other stuff will come out of that. Yeah, you just have to. Yeah, I've got a weird, really weird thing. Um, I wrote a 10 jazz album mm. about 10 years ago. Not quite, but you know, some songs were before and put a Tempest jazz band together, threw them in the studio, in no rehearsal, gave them the charts, made this record. And uh, some songs which are really stand out still even now, although I was not even thinking about harmonies, I literally wasn't even thinking about listening. Some, some of them I'm like, oh, my singers would pitch on that one. But some of the songs I still like, but one of them, London Town, mm. uh, through a friend of mine thinking about it last year, came and said, let's remix it for the Olympics, which did not happen, but we've, I'm about to release a dance single. I really, I know, and in fact, I'm just <laughs> this weekend. I'm doing a YouTube video, the basic YouTube video for it, but it's really catchy. And I say this, but it seems that we've somehow made because we've been in the studio together, Andrew and I, and you know we've gone through and we've got this kind of kind of gay tastic mix. We don't even know how we've done it. His really? wife, 
and, and all my gay friends are loving it. I've got a, a director begging to do it. A friend of mine who's an amazing choreographer has already got the dance moves down. I'm like, and I've only said to about four people. So I've, again, I'm like, Brilliant. and I've been going this year, this is about acting this year, plus the podcast and the blog. Mm-hmm. But this dance single just popped up and I can't not put the effort in. It's oh, an opportunity. Right. I, because I'll play it to you after we've done a few more. And uh, it's just it's just fun. It's slightly, it's slightly ridiculous. Tell me about Fences. Now, Fences is a play by a black American playwright, August Wilson. He wrote something called The Century Cycle, which is essentially a play about a black, some black characters, each play set in a different decade. So it lasts, so it's a cycle, it's a cycle of 100 years. I think the last one set in the 70s. Uh, and the one we did called Fences is set in the, the late 50s. Uh, and it's about a character called Troy, who uh, used to play baseball, but it was too early, and as a black player, he never got anywhere. And he's brought that forward, really, and his son wants to get into American football, and he forbids him to do it, and then he finds another... He's been married for 18 years, and 18 years into this relationship, he finds another woman and has, you know, impregnates her... And the woman dies in childbirth, and he brings the baby home. And it's you know it's it touch it's about fatherhood, it's about fidelity, it's about abandonment, it's about so many things. And what I love about it is that it is a black play, but it has universal mm-hmm. issues. And that's what we're doing. And I'm understood. It's uh, with Lenny Henry, starring Lenny Henry. It's directed by Paulette Randall, who. Uh, produced Desmond's back in the day, if anyone oh, remembers yeah, yeah, Desmond's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and uh, she was actually the associate director for the Olympics opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm on studying at the Duchess Theatre at the moment, and um, it's such a good play. So much in it, so many shades and subtleties that uh, you wouldn't think were there. Uh, the great playwrights what makes them stand out. Their work doesn't really. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. more you dig, the more you find. Yeah. So I've only been dig for what, a couple months now. And my wife said, oh, in this bit, so-and-so says this. And it obviously means that. And I went, oh, my goodness. I completely <laughs> missed that. You know what I mean? It's just... And it, I said, so many little things that are just such good writing. And um, so I invited so many people to the understudy performance. But on the programme that I wrote for it, I put, come and see the show. If you liked it, tell your friends. It's a good show with or without us. Actually, it's, it's just a really good show. Yeah, well, I was rehearsing, but if you have another one, let me know, and hopefully I'll be finished rehearsing. But what's been, the real learning curve for me is being an understudy, and I don't think I'll do it again. Um, but the general opinion seems to be that if you're an understudy, you went to, you, you try to get an understudy job because you're not really that good an actor. It's oh. the best. That's kind of the feeling you get from people. Um, the front of house staff, I've made friends with, they said, you know, one of the understudies had to go on last week because the main woman hurt her back. And said so people came in, saw the notes, went, oh... Because it was an understudy. But you're forgetting, you're asking people with very little attention, very little rehearsal, to be good enough to be able to go on stage and do a good job. That's not easy. That takes real acting chops. And also, you've got to keep the character fresh and current. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you're back, aren't you? Hello. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, and there's a certain attitude, I won't say too much, but there are certain attitudes from within the group that we've had to fight against uh, actually and it's been a very 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 interesting experience because I know um, uh, Charlotte Sutton at the National she always says if she won't ever assume an actor will understudy so if you're happy to understudy at the National to write and mention that in the letter mm. but I think I mean I know I've got actress friends of mine who 
on understudies at Blood Brothers or wherever, and often it's because they're understudying a massive name. And they're absolutely brilliant at what they do, but they just need to, mm. you know what I'm saying? They, yeah. you, it doesn't mean they're any less an actor, they just have got less no, of a name. It, it, it does exist, that kind of attitude does exist, and it's, it's not right, and it's not fair. But that's what it, what's great is I've got the name for the title for my autobiography now, but I turned up to the theatre on the first day, and I said, where, where's the understudy dressing room? Because we've got one between the four of us, rather <laughs> Uh, including the woman, so there's, you know. Oh my god. So, and they said, I'll go right up to the top of the stairs, through the toilet, and over the roof. And I was like, what? So I climbed up these eight flights of stairs, my thighs <laughs> are burning, and I, there's this door, and I open the door, and I'm like, hey, this is actually the toilet. And there's the sink, there's the toilet, this smells a bit, I'll just go straight on through, and I'm like, that's actually the roof. Good thing it's not raining. Oh, look, it is. <laughs> so the type of my autobiography when I write it one day is going to be through the toilets and over the roof an actor's life backstage <laughs> <laughs> god how fun it is it is incredible yeah I've not done it but I guess I'm not anti-doing it I suppose it's, it's just it's worth, I've learnt a lot it's been yeah. a really valuable experience yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not sure I could do it again <laughs> well I mean the truth is you only ever have an understudy in a proper big production play yeah so sometimes that's mm. going to be your first introduction to the, to the West End which I is a very different through it I've got to do a really good play, a really good part on a West End stage. Do you know what I mean? So, it, despite the stuff I'm going to be complaining about, I've got to remember to count my blessings because uh, that sets you up for other things as well, and that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose when you write your CV, understood it. I suppose it makes you feel a bit. Kind of, yeah, I know. But at least again, you've, you've made connections mm -hmm. and network with a great director, and yeah, definitely. and they know ultimately that you you're reliable to turn up every night, and you will be there really. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. So what's the role you've done that you've loved playing so far in your career? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, so many, actually. Uh, pick, pick one. It doesn't have to be the one. Well, I really, 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 really loved doing Aaron uh, from Shakespeare's Titus Angelicus. Quite so I know the play that well. Well, I call it Shakespeare's action play. I think it was one of his earliest. It's one of his earliest. It's Tempest. So I remember I did Tempest next, and one was at the beginning of career, one was at the end of his career. So I think it must be at the beginning. Mm. I call it Shakespeare's action play because it's just, it's just mad. There is so much violence in it, and rape, and people being, you know, these these brothers, these brothers rape um, Titus's daughter and cut her tongue out and hands off and, and feet off. They probably mutilate. It's gross. They did it at the Globe a few years back and apparently at least two or three people fainted every night the way it was done. And in the end, you know, Titus gets his revenge by getting these two boys and torturing them and then cooking them in a pie and serving them to his mother. He invites the mother out for dinner and serves her, her sons in Sounds a pie. Sounds like that new film with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yes, <isn't> it? <laughs> and it's, it's so... And the character called, Titus, uh, called Aaron is uh, it's actually a black character. Um... Which is interesting, uh, but he's unrepentantly evil. There's no redeeming features about this character. You must have found whatsoever. No, no. Bit, no, basically, there's a point where they decide to bury him up to his neck, and the prince says, "If anybody, you know, feeds him or gives him water or anything, I'll kill them too." So they're going to bury him up to his up, up to his chest, I think, in the ground, and leave him there till he dies. And as they're burying him, he says the words, "If one good thing in all my life I did." I now repent it from my very soul. Even as he's facing a horrible death, he doesn't repent for a damn thing. And he has this big speech where he talks about the things that he's really enjoyed doing. Like, if someone's best friend has died, he'll go and dig up their body, the best friend's body, and stand it by their door at night. <laughs> and he's talking, he's 
Ivory is so bad. I love that role. I loved it. Well, this... <laughs> yeah, it's me like an Arpadina, a beautiful monster. Yeah. And you go... Why have I been cast for this? Because actually, but you realise it's because the director can actually see. It, it's, I can even it, see now the gleam in your eyes. I'm a nice guy. I'm a, very, I'm a very nice person. I treat people very well because I want to be treated very yeah. well. Um, but I have no doubt that there are terrible things I'm capable of. I have oh, no right. doubt. Sure. And I get to be terrible on stage. Yeah. And it's great. I get to, oh, I just, you know, get to play. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. So, this podcast I do is very much about the creative process and mm. what keeps people moving and burning forward. I mean, do you have any like tips or bits of advice you've either been given or found that to keeps you keeps you going in, in the middle of crazy, or despair, or defeat, or triumph? It's it's there's something I discovered that a bad day acting is better than a good day doing anything else, and. When I'm having a bad day acting, I have to remember that I have to remember what I love about what I do. And I can't imagine going back to a nine to five, to that regimen. And if there's one thing that keeps me going, it's the fact that I'm scared of that. And that's not to belittle that mm. at all, because many valuable things are done. You know, what I do as a creative isn't going to save the world or, you know, solve world hunger or create world peace. Um... Although, have you seen Searching for Sugar Man? I haven't. Oh, well, I'll, I'll carry on. Oh, right, I haven't said that. There is, um, about Star Galactica. <laughs> Touched on so many issues that are important to the world that the cast and crew were invited to lead the, lead the United Nations Symposium talking about the issues that it raised. Yes. So, do you know what I mean? There's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of give and take with that. Um, at the end of the day, it's, I think it's this. You cannot do this if you're in it for the money you have to do it for the passion and hopefully the passion will lead you to the money but you have to do it for the passion because if you lose that passion it's impossible to do something that resonates with people for very long mm. it will appear dry it will dry you out and you just keep pushing forward don't be satisfied with oh i've done this and wait for something to happen to you. You can't wait for things to happen to you. The passion that got you into it in the first place has to be the passion that drives you on. Look at everything with that passion. And more than that, the thing about creativity is it gives you a door into people and people are fascinating. And understanding people will make you a better person for a start and make you able to deal with your own life better as you begin to understand what pushes and pulls and motivates people. And it's exciting. I think there's an excitement and to what keeps you going I think it's different for everybody else there are so many writers that say they hate writing but love having written oh. and I think when I'm doing a play I hate I hate learning lines mm. I hate it it's my weakness but I know that I will love having performed it and performing it and it's always searching out that one no matter how dark the night gets Always search out that one thing that gives you joy in it. And remember that thing, that joy exists. It does exist. And the hardship is temporary. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. It's temporary. Find your way through that. I could go on just rambling. But no, no, it does. It's nice. It's good to be... No, because I always talk about creativity myself in a way that's mm. full of passion and fire and giving your all... And I think sometimes people go, mm, but I think if you, as you say, if you 
there's no way you can keep picking yourself up after you don't get the job or, or you do or it finishes and then you're going well what next yeah and it's hard I've got a two year old daughter we making ends meet is hard my wife's creative she's a singer <laughs> the worst two possible jobs to have when you've got a household to maintain but we can't give it up <laughs> and if you did you'd be unhappy no yeah and that would affect our relationship and so on my, my partner Barry Barry Nugent who I do my podcast with and we were talking as it started to gain popularity and this was a weekly podcast you know we were like are we going to be able to keep up doing this and we've you know we've got a, mu- a, a quarterly online magazine that comes out which is free we've got you know, blah, 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 blah. And Barry said this one thing, he goes, you know what, when it stops being fun, we won't do it anymore. I was like, oh, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why would we keep doing something if we're not enjoying it? Yeah. And we're yeah. not enjoying the end product and whatever, and it stops being fun, we'll stop. You know, why not? And it's kind of a guiding principle, I think. Are we enjoying what we're doing? Even if there are rough spots along the way, enjoying it. And I always say, people go, you're right. And if, Things are hard in life. He's like, are you okay? I went, am I smiling? They go, yeah. And I said, if I can find a smile, then I'm going to be okay. And if I'm going to be okay, then I am okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's my philosophy. That's a good one. Thank you, David. Thanks for thanking me. Thank you. So, <laughs> if people want to get hold of you, where can they listen to you, find you, learn <laughs> about you, so, do you know want to be you, I don't know. <laughs> well, this is great. See, one of the things I've found that's really supporting my career in all the things I do is uh, social media. Mm. So, David Monteith on Facebook, David Monteith on Twitter, but here I found this website called About Me. It's fantastic. So, about.me slash David Monteith. That's M-O-N-T-E-I-T-H. And everything I do is on that links to really? everything about I do. About.me slash David Monteith. Yeah, so it's just got a short bio, it's got my show reel, which is when I had, dread- I had dreadlocks for 15 years, I'll cut them off in the last four months yeah that's why I was a bit yeah. no, that, was a, that was a bit of a heart heart stopping moment but it's a great page and I, I recommend it because as a hub just to bring everything together it's fantastic it's just one you get one page in which you can put a bio you can put a show reel you can put links to everything you do so about the, it's, so I really recommend it for people who are trying to bring together the different strands of what they do so aboutme.com although I was fine I think yours probably is more c- concurrent but I've realised because of all the cabaret and the stand-up I used to do, mm. because I play a stupid amount of instruments. Mm. And then, of course, then there's the acting, and, oh, yeah, let's just stick a dance sang. I'm going, hang on, how are these all trying to... And I'm always... Oh, and I've blogged on a podcast. I forgot about that small bit. So <laughs> I'm trying to, I've, been going, I've been trying to do almost have two me's, and I'm just going, maybe I just don't have two me's. Maybe this is just one me. And maybe people are just going to have to deal with the fact... Because they say if you're an actor and do other things, they don't always take you that seriously. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a funny thing. But also, we've reached a point where um, things are hard now. The recession has bring, brought everything back down, and this is why you'll find so many more actors are now writing and directing mm-hmm. and producing. And I'm hoping to produce a bit of science fiction theatre next year. Um, oh, I should put you together with my the director from the Seagull. A, he's a, I think, A, I think you'd love him because they, the amount of times he falls dark into geek on mid-rehearsal is really funny. Nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's all into, I'm like, I get it a bit, but then I go, no, I have seen Firefly 70 once, 
I love Joss Whedon, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's not something I've watched multiple times and can quote backwards. So it's, um... Yeah. Oh, I, I like the sound of them already. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you guys up. So, um, and of course he continues, they're doing a few other things, mm. plays and stuff, their production company. But and, I'm, and I'm getting involved in a web series where there's talk, I mean, talk for web series at the moment, which is a... Uh, uh, so I, I know I've got a couple on the boil. I've got one I want to. I know what I need to write. I'm like, well, yeah. It's just when does it all happen? Yeah, I know, I know. And then what happens is you get a play. But what's also good is uh, you know the whole networking thing. I haven't networked on purpose, but if you get the chance to meet people, just don't turn it down. You never know where it could go. And basically, if this web series, someone mentioned something, I mentioned something back to them. Someone else mentioned something. Two days later, they rang me and go, you know that strange idea I had that you commented on? It's like, yeah, right, this is where we are. We've got someone willing to direct. We've got, I'm like, what? And if you get the right, you're surrounded by the right people. Surround yourself with positive people. Put some positivity out there. Uh, and, you know, if it's a good idea, it will gather steam. Being social and networking in a way that you go, you do a good job, you do the best of your ability. Actually, the best way to, like, is, I think you hit the nail on the head, the best way to network is just to be really good at what you do and be really easy to work with because people will remember you if you're an arsehole yeah they probably won't remember you as much if you were okay but if you're an arsehole yeah they will remember you just and it's a, as much as there are hundreds of people trying to do what we're doing it's a small world oh i got an email a Facebook message from another director. I'm on a run at the moment. No, yeah, I've done eleven short films and a feature this year. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah, I know. And I'm, I, and and a massive music video. I think is number one. Going to be number one. They've got like eight hundred thousand views in ten days. Yeah, yeah. Playing <laughs> play, play the mom. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so one number one music video being the mom. Um, Thank God. So, do you know how many mums I fancy? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually calling that, uh, despite my lack of actual children, I'm calling You're calling the MILF market? Is I that am, what you're doing? I am. The original <laughs> MILF, apparently. I'm like, hmm? Other that, or desperate for kids? I'm like, oh. <laughs> 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 Anyone who knows me is like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Some weeks I have three husbands and three children, or nice. different ones. I'm like, what? But, um, yeah, I got a message from another director through Facebook. I'd applied for something that I... Anyway, he said, I saw that you'd applied for something. I wasn't in charge of casting. I think you've got a great look. Uh, you might be perfect for something. He'd found me through my website and then Facebook messaged me. Wow. See? I, I noticed on his mutual friends with Facebook and I that there were three mutual friends. I won't mention them because of the track back. I spoke to all of them and they all, they were absolutely, apparently fantastic. And he's an award-winning director. And I'm like... See, I, uh, I, mean, I, I get really annoyed with people going, oh, I don't do Facebook. What's the point of it? I'm like, in this day and age, I think as a creative struggling to get somewhere, you cannot afford not to engage with social media. Because it, it makes it easier for people to find, the right people to find you. And if you're clever, you put out the right message about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You, it's a tool. You use the tool well. You don't have to, people go, oh, what's it? People just post pictures of their food and stuff. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> use it well yeah no it's really true it is really and I was listening to Spotlight do a series of podcasts mm, mm. they're very RP they're very um, they're very straight oh, there's no it's not even a music on it no there's uh, and they're very 
very prepped, like you and I, literally I have not seen you in, I don't know, eight months and off we go. Mm. Like, which I put, and also because you're a great you're a great guest and I natter nine to the dozen anyway. So between the two of us, it's, we can, we yeah, can yeah, do yeah. vibe. And I guess they want to be a bit more professional. But there was a social media one and I could see what he was saying that if you don't want to, if you don't feel it's for you. But I wanted to almost yell at the, the social media was going, well, you don't have to blog or podcast or be involved if you don't want to. And I'm going... I, I mean, I'm in the viral for the seagull that we made the viral. It's a fantastic viral I've done, and uh, I'm sure one of the reasons I'm in the viral rather than some of the other actors on the thing is purely because when you look at my signature, I've got three thousand links to everywhere. Marisha is everywhere, and it means if they're going to do a viral, the whole point of doing a viral is get it out into the world. Mm. So you might as well go and pick one of your actors who's already out in the world anyway, rather than one who doesn't really have that kind of and isn't really interested in social media. So. Yeah. I think the Spotlight podcast, I think, was... I spent a lot of time yelling at my laptop, going, what are you talking about? Oh, that's right, yeah. They have some amazing guests. Of course they do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, thank you, David. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs>